Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Ready to go. Outkick 360 is back. Tuesday edition is here from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Glad you're with us. Chad Withrow, Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. The entire Outkick crew making the show happen for us. Jam-packed show today. Glenn Gilbo of Outkick.com, our SEC writer and columnist uh, down in Louisiana. He has covered LSU for over 25 years. He will join us in 20 minutes with the very latest on Brian Kelly becoming the next head coach of the LSU Tigers. John McClain in an hour with all the NFL headlines and former Georgia quarterback Quincy Carter on the show today at 420 Central, 520 Eastern to preview the SEC title game, Alabama and Georgia. Gentlemen, craziness over the last 24 plus hours well boys just when we thought that it was going to be raise season in college football where everyone got a big hike in pay to stay where they were and they were going to use all these openings just to leverage their position at their current job brian kelly leaves tradition rich one of the top jobs in the country notre dame to take the job at lsu for 9.5 million dollars a year to say that i'm shocked is an understatement I thought all along, especially with that first report we read at the end of yesterday's show, that there was this, this belief that Brian Kelly ultimately wanted to stay. He just wanted facilities improvements to be agreed upon at Notre Dame. Um, I thought this was all a leverage play for Brian Kelly. It is not. He's the head coach at LSU. I'm stunned. And denial's rolling in, but of all these puzzle pieces that we've put together with all of these openings... None seems like a better fit now than Urban Meyer to Notre Dame. A, a dream yeah. job. The guy's named after a pope. Um, and, you know, denials are rolling in uh, now based on sourcing. But he'll face that question in person tomorrow as the Jaguars reassemble to get ready for, for a game on Sunday. But that one seems like, a, you know, slam dunkish. Even if he oh. really is hell-bent on staying in the NFL, the run. one college uh, job that he would take, it would seem like that it's would It's a mammoth, out-of-the-park type home run, grand slam, walk-off to win a game if they got Urban Meyer. Here's what's crazy about this move. LSU just got a hell of a lot better with Brian Kelly as their coach, who's one of the best coaches in college football. And I know there's a lot of knocks on Brian Kelly, but look at his resume. It's not perfect. The way LSU put out in a promo, certainly not perfect, but he's a very good coach and the all-time winningest coach in Notre Dame history. Brian Kelly to LSU makes LSU a lot better, and I also think that Notre Dame has a chance to get a heck of a lot better because to me, here are the tiers for Notre Dame right now. It is Urban Meyer, Grand Slam, if that were to happen, Luke Fickle, mammoth shot home go. run, That's that would work at Notre Dame, an established power, not power five, soon to be power five with Cincinnati, but established D1 head coach. And then I think at Tier 3, you've got Marcus Freeman at 35 years old that everyone in coaching believes is a star on the rise. It's going to get a head coaching job soon. 
that if you wanted to go the coordinator route and you wanted to go with someone who could be your head coach for 25 years, possibly, that's a pretty good route to go That's your third option? That's a pretty good third option. You know, hiring Brian Kelly's defensive coordinator who had been there for a year, I'm not going to say that's an upgrade for Notre Dame, but the chances of Notre Dame being great with all three of those coaches, I think, is up there. How long do we think LSU was talking to Kelly? Did this happen pretty quickly, or was it kept quiet behind the scenes? Because if it was kept quiet behind the scenes, I'm really marveling at some of the big things that have been kept quiet. Because it turns out USC was was talking to Lincoln Riley for a good while, and that was kept well, really quiet. And things just don't stay quiet. And if LSU was talking to Brian Kelly, and that was kept quiet, they're two huge jobs with two huge names kept quiet. I, I, I believe USC was definitely, I mean, of course they were talking to representatives of, of Lincoln Riley. But I, I believe that LSU has been talking with Notre Dame far longer. Uh, not, not with Notre Dame, but about, with Brian Kelly. And the reason for that is, is how long he's been there. You know, he's been there 12 years. You don't just up and leave over the course of 48 hours. Yeah, you got to ask right? about interest to like dip your toe in the water. Chad, don't you agree? Like it, it, you're entrenched there in that program. You're the all-time winningest coach for the Fighting Irish. Think about that. And you just up and leave over a 48-hour period after you find out that all of a sudden LSU didn't get the coach they wanted because Lincoln Riley went to USC. So now they're going to pony up and this is, for nine and a half. This is also ridiculous. Yes, of course they've been talking for a long time, and yes, of course Lincoln Riley's been talking to USC. Since that job yeah. came open, I can't stand when Lincoln Riley can sit up there straight faced and said, I didn't have any conversation with the USC until Saturday night. Well, no, duh. <laughs> your agent did, and you talked to your agent. Yeah. That's why you have the agent, it's why you have a buffer. You're hearing everything mm-hmm. USC's offering. You know exactly what you want in the deal. You're communicating that to your agent. He's going to USC. So maybe technically your first conversation happens Saturday night after a loss to Oklahoma State, and you get on that Zoom call Sunday morning and close the deal. But same deal goes for Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly's been working this out through his agent ever since LSU probably even first considered firing Ed Orgeron. This just goes to show you when school coach and agent really don't want to use the media as uh, as part of the system of getting what they want, how you can really keep it quiet if you want to. The fact of the matter is most of the time they want to use the media as part of getting what they want, and so they have no interest in keeping it quiet. But when they want to, here are two monumental moves that were kept quiet in the whispering stages a month ago or however long ago, and nothing got out. Brian Kelly to LSU, at first, you raise an eyebrow, right? You think, okay, why does this make so much sense? Um, Because you... Chad, at least I'm thinking to myself, I'm going through all the different coaches and I'm thinking Brian Kelly would not be very high on the list for me personally. But then you dig a little layer or two deeper and you realize this guy um, gets a ton of recruits out of of Louisiana to begin with. I wonder how many of those four or five stars he's bringing with him, right? And he knows how to put together a top-tier staff. I would put Brian Kelly's coaching staff up there with the best in the country, top to bottom, uh, on just coaching the game of football and recruiting. They, they, they've been outstanding. And that was the big knock on Ed Orgeron at LSU, the overall staff and body of work. Well, Ed Orgeron's problem was he couldn't replicate that great staff he had in 2019. 
you know, what Nick Saban, part of Nick Saban's brilliance is over he constantly over. churns out new coordinators, new coaches, and he finds the right ones. Brings in the reclamation project. And he has happy. all these great staffs. And because a, co- a couple coordinators leave, they don't lose their program. Ed Orgeron lost his program when Joe Brady and Dave Aranda were no longer there. Uh, Brian Kelly's the opposite. Mm-hmm. He, he's got a track record of hiring the right people on staff and, and doing a great job with that. I think more than anything, it's just I think of Brian Kelly and I think Midwest, I think Notre yeah. Dame is the perfect spot for him. It's kind of a cultural thing to me that doesn't make sense with, with Brian Kelly. doesn't make sense as much as, for instance, Lane Kiffin, who's coached in the South longer, would at LSU culturally. But he's a great coach. I mean, if guys you could actually go out and realistically hire, he's very high on that list. It's a home run. And we're going to talk with Glenn Gilbo about this, I know, but it's a home run for, for LSU. But I also think it's this funny spot that we're in right now where when you look at the options for Notre Dame, they got a chance at a home run. they got a chance to not really drop well, the off thing about, with losing their coach. But the thing about Notre Dame is they will have, they will have interest in that job that brings guys out of the woodworks, right? There's going to be one or two names that you, you turn around and be like, oh, yeah. he's interested? I mean, they're, they're, Notre Dame's just one of those jobs that, that does that, and that appeal happens. And, and there's a reason why Urban Meyer is always attached there. You mentioned the culture fit. That would certainly be it. But, um, you know, I, I would list Mario Cristobal on that list. I, I would absolutely put him on the list for Notre Dame. And we, with were, what talking, he's done we were talking yesterday about program guys, and I – Honestly, I mean, I haven't sat down and looked it all over, but I think if off the top of your head you were doing program guys, we would have said Lincoln Riley as an up-and-comer through the program program guy. And Brian Kelly probably would have been the old-timer, quote-unquote, program guy. And now we're left with what? Like we were talking about James Franklin was the guy that got the conversation started. Who's the consummate program guy in America now? I find it really interesting Pat Fitzgerald. The, the, the comp, yeah. yeah, Pat Fitzgerald. Uh, maybe Dabo. Um, yep. I, I find it really interesting that yesterday the conversation was Lincoln Riley was leaving Oklahoma for USC so he doesn't have to play the SEC schedule. And Brian Kelly just signed up for it. Yeah, when he doesn't have to worry appro- about a conference opposite schedule. Approaches. Yeah, well, I mean, if, if you want to go with the... I thought Lincoln Riley, we can pivot now to Lincoln Riley at USC because I thought he did a really good job explaining his side of it at the, the press conference, introducing him at USC. Um, he sold it to me in the, we really just wanted this new challenge. And we researched it and looked at it and said, this is, I mean, you, go ahead. I think what it was somewhat, I think it was somewhat we, believable, but he's going to go with the getting out of the SEC. Yeah, they did want to play the SEC schedule. New challenges? Like going to USC is an easier challenge than Oklahoma. Well, well it's different. You, yeah, it's. I, I they're think, about to play the SEC. It's easier. Play. It's easier, but it's different. I also, too. I also think. Well, so would be coaching at MTSU. I, I mean, that would be a hell of a challenge. I also think that he's saying no I'm getting some of the top players from Southern California, and it's more of an uphill climb to get them to come to Oklahoma. I'm not going to have to leave uh, this area code to get the players, much like the five-star Malachi Nelson quarterback that was committed to Oklahoma, that is now going to commit to USC, that he can get right there in, in his backyard and he can pluck those players. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, you could also certainly argue that, well, Lincoln, your new challenge came in the SEC. You, know, you could have stayed there and that you could have made that your new challenge, uh, but instead you left. I'm going to be very interested to see who Oklahoma hires now. 
because um, I, I do think that there is this – Oklahoma's a great program. There's no doubt about it. But I could, just like I did yesterday, I can make the argument that once they join the SEC, there's not a big gap between Tennessee and Oklahoma in terms of quality of job and money you can make and wins you can accumulate with the right coach. It's about to get a lot harder for Oklahoma. So what level can they now attract? Can they go get Lane Kiffin from Ole Miss? I don't know. That's not a slam dunk no-brainer that he leaves Ole Miss to stay in the same conference and coach Oklahoma. Bob Stoops is 61. Is there any way he gets an itch out of this whole thing? Maybe. I've thought about that. Uh, Certainly he's got some sort of itch that he wants to be the interim, and he's willing to come back and do that. Bob Stoops just inserted himself in the coaching search, and that's why Brent Venables makes so much sense. It's because Venables was on his staff for 15 years, it felt like. Like night started in 1999 at Oklahoma and went all the way to like 2013 or 14. We've seen a vice president conduct a vice presidential search and come up with himself. They've got a very powerful and uh, and completely uh, competent AD in Joe Castiglione at Oklahoma, who's widely respected. I don't understand how Bob Stoops is going to come in and pick the next guy too, because he's now the interim coach. You he retired Tyler, in an age where he didn't have now. to to get into broadcasting and to go coach in a minor league for a year. I mean, I understand Bob Stoops has power there, but if I'm Joe Castiglione, I'm not just going to hire whoever Bob Stoops ordains the next guy because the last guy that he ordained that I'm sure Bob Stoops thought was a quote-unquote program guy just ditched them for USC. It did quite well before he yeah. ditched them, though. He was also the, the hottest name that anyone could have hired. Yeah, um, And that's what coaches do is they ditch programs now. Yeah, uh, our program guy Bob list Stoops is, is tough. saying he's a program guy. He, those guys don't exist much anymore. So and that, that's the harsh reality of college football. I mean, look at the money being thrown around yesterday for coaches. And then you think to yourself, and a lot of these coaches were against NIL. But here's, here's, the, here's like the problem, voting, though. But yet they're, they're just raking well, in millions upon millions. But we just had a conversation. Texting players saying, see ya. Hutton, we just had a conversation or this weekend about how this is not coach movement season. It's coach raise season. And it still and is. And the coaches are going to stick around at their jobs, and they're going to leverage and play these schools to get raises. What is very move. concerning to me is that these coaches that could – I guarantee you Brian Kelly could have made $9.5 million at Notre Dame if he would have given them a chance to match. He did not. Too many of these coaches now, they are, this is an ATM to them. They are looking at this like, I'm going to gobble up as much money as possible and restart my clock at different places and get the big contract over and over again. It's not just about getting that contract. It's about getting the grace of starting over somewhere new. That's concerning to me. Because that's also, in a way, setting yourself up, well, well, if it doesn't work out, I made all this money. I've been here long enough. This is the James Franklin kind of complex, right? I've been here long enough. I've had some success. But that success isn't good enough for this place anymore. I need to go get love and money from somewhere else. And was that love a key word? Was he sufficiently loved? Was Brian Kelly feeling sufficiently loved at Notre Dame? So, again, I think it's, first off, the baseline is the money. It's always about the money. But the money would have been the same at Notre Dame as it is at LSU if he really wanted to stay at Notre Dame. Same at Oklahoma. It's now also, absolutely, it's about restarting that clock, clock at places. I think and that, that concerns me a bit. But they, think about the brands that are available this offseason, over the last two weeks and really three months. 
USC, Oklahoma, LSU, Florida, Notre Dame. Um, you continue to have the dominoes fall where all of these programs, Penn State kept their guy. Same goes for Michigan State, who would have been in the coaching search by now had they not re-upped and given uh, big money to a guy who they, they want to invest in, but are they really sure? This, this time of year, if you just think you know, you have to pay the piper. Otherwise, you're losing your guy. Um, and who knows what happens at Miami moving forward? Um, and who knows what's next after Notre Dame? I thought this was pretty funny. Who, does, who opens up? Uh, the, who's the next domino that jumps and goes to Notre Dame that leaves another big school open? Talking about just coaches jumping unexpectedly. I don't know if you guys follow her. Jessica Smetana. She used to write for Sports Illustrated. Did you see this? And, I, I and saw now, that. And now she's with uh, Lebetard. Yesterday at 9.43 a.m., Hutton, she said, she tweeted, in fairness to Oklahoma, if the head coach of Notre, she's a Notre Dame alum, if the head coach of Notre Dame ever got poached by another Power 5 school, I would probably lose my mind too. However, in my entire lifetime of Notre Dame's, in my entire lifetime, all of Notre Dame's head coaches had either one, been fired, or two, been Brian Kelly. And then how many hours later, Brian Kelly made the, made the same Well, move. she's obviously not that old because uh, no, Lou Holtz not. left in 1997. Yeah, no, she's not that <laughs> for old. For television and then South Carolina. Yeah. But yeah, it wasn't for another job. Coming up, the very latest uh, news and uh, opinion from Glenn Gilbo, uh, SEC uh, writer for Outkick.com. Does a, a great job there. We're going to ask about all these coaching openings. We'll start with the one that was just filled by Brian Kelly at LSU. That is next on Outkick 360. First, though, Aurora Nutriscience. You can go to VitaLifeScience.com, V-I-D-A LifeScience.com. 15% discount with the code Outkick 360 for their supplements. They're a trusted partner that keeps Outkick 360 mentally sharp and healthy. Aurora delivers your supplements where you need them the most, your body. VitaLifeScience.com is the website. 15% off with the code Outkick 360. Typical pills and capsules not well absorbed. In fact, most are only absorbed in small, very small amounts. Your digestive system breaks these pills down until there's little left for your benefit. But here's Aurora, unique, cutting-edge, nutritional, and absorbable supplements encapsulated in liposomes, which means it's going to stay in your body. It's going to stay in your body's bloodstream. I use the uh, vitamin C, the vitamin D3, glutathione, simple single-use packets, grab and go in the morning. They taste great. Uh, I compared the vitamin C to Sunny D uh, back in the day uh, growing up. It, it does not taste bad, even though you're drinking a vitamin from VitaLifeScience.com. V-I-D-A LifeScience.com. The code is OutKick360 for 15% off. VitaLifeScience.com. Brian Kelly just became the first head coach at Notre Dame to leave for another job since 1907. Outkick 360 rolls on across the Outkick network. Pleased to be joined uh, down in Louisiana by Glenn Gilbo. You can follow him on Twitter at LSU Beat Tweet. He writes for Outkick.com, senior SEC writer and columnist. Glenn, hope you're doing well in what is a crazy time of year for college football fans and universities and football programs. <laughs> it's been wild. It sure has. Uh, it's been a crazy few weeks, there's no question. But I think uh, I think LSU really, really came up with a blockbuster hire after looking looking like it wouldn't for quite a while there. 
So they wanted Lincoln Riley. Lincoln Riley goes to USC. How did Brian Kelly come to be down in Baton Rouge? Oh, from what I'm hearing now, um, they, they were in contact with Brian Kelly for, for a few weeks. Uh, and they were also in contact with Lincoln Riley and some, and some other coaches, but, um, you know, the last couple of weeks, it was, it was mainly Brian Kelly is what, is what LSU is saying. They always kind of say that. Um, but, um, you know, I, I think they definitely, uh, things started happening fast right as the regular season ended and right as they lost Lincoln Riley and, uh, they were able to get an established coach. I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing about, uh, Scott Woodward, the athletic director, he doesn't always get, uh, you know, the youngest coach, but he definitely always gets experience. And, um, and that's what Brian Kelly has and, and a consistent winner. And I mean, you know, Notre Dame, it's still something when you can get a coach from Notre Dame. I mean, the first time since 1907, that's unbelievable. It's uh, let me ask it to you this way with LSU and Lincoln Riley and Brian Kelly. What's the response if it's Lincoln Riley as the hire? Are LSU fans more excited or less excited than Brian Kelly? Oh, I, I think they're more excited if it's Lincoln Riley because, uh, you know, he's younger and he's more, uh, rising and more offensive related for sure. I mean, Brian Kelly's offenses aren't, I mean, they're kind of stodgy really. I mean, he kind of has game management quarterbacks, which is really going out of style, but he does a good job with them. I mean, he, he gets them to win, but uh, you know, he might have to step that up in in the sec nowadays to win consistently at LSU. He's going to have to open up that offense. I, I think, uh, and, and, you know, he's, he's mainly a defensive background as an assistant, though that was decades ago. Lincoln Riley would have been the first offensive coordinator hire ever at LSU, and I think fans would have been more excited about that. But, um, you know, this, this guy, has, uh, he, he, he wins regardless of what his quarterback situation is, and he's, he's really consistent. And he's going to find it easier to recruit at LSU than he did at um, at Notre Dame, so that so that could be a the magic potion there. The USC job certainly comes with uh, with rebuilding challenges, uh, unquestionably for Lincoln Riley, but it doesn't come with a harder path to the playoff, be it four teams or or, or twelve. LSU certainly comes with uh, with a more difficult path than Notre Dame uh, does. Uh, how much does that score Brian Kelly points for his willingness, eagerness to, to come to a place that, that has a consistently harder route to get there, even though people before him have, have been getting there? Well, you know, I said this about Lincoln Riley, too. I think if I'm Brian Kelly and I'm looking at LSU, I'm thinking – if Les Miles and Ed Orgeron can win a national championship there, I could win two or three, you know, because, because it, it, it's, it's kind of shaky on how good a coach Les Miles and Ed Orgeron were, you know, they, they kind of each had memorable seasons that got hot, you know, but I, I think, I think it's different when you, when you add the recruiting base and easier to get players into LSU than it is at Notre Dame, when you add that with, um, 
you know, just the, the more speed and the, the, the recruits proximity to Baton Rouge that Kelly's going to be able to get, um, I think it might be, it'll be easier for him to win a national championship at LSU once he gets into the playoff. Maybe it's easier for Notre Dame to get to the playoff, but he didn't come close in any of, of his playoff games. Neither did Oklahoma, really, except one. So, so once you once you make it in those playoffs, and you can you can get in with, um, you know, two losses sometimes coming from the SEC because of their reputation and, and power rankings. Once you get in, you got a better chance of winning it all, and and maybe both Lincoln Riley and Brian. Uh, think that they took Oklahoma and Notre Dame as far as, as they could take them. Glenn Gilbo, our guest. Glenn, you're, when you hear the names Saban, Kiffin, Leach, Fisher, Brian Kelly, Pittman, Harson, what are you thinking of the coaches in the SEC West right now? What is Brian Harson and Auburn thinking about all this movement? Well, he, he might be trying to move. <laughs> uh, you know, there's some, I've been, I've been kind of in the cave with LSU. Is the Washington job still? Uh, is that going to be open? They hired uh, Kalen DeBoer from Fresno State. Oh, yep. Okay. So well, there, there was a possible spot for him to leave. That uh, that's now. It been was. Filled. It was, but I mean, he's only been there one year. He's right. They both stick with each other there. He uh, God, he's close. You know, he 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 should have beat Alabama. The guy stays in bounds. Um, you know, Alabama probably didn't have enough time to score there in regulation to tie it. Uh, but um, you know, I, I think uh, I think the SEC, you know, just got tougher. The SEC West just got tougher with the addition of uh, of, of the Notre Dame coach coming in. Uh, you know, and and I think he thinks, obviously, Brian Kelly realizes how tough the competition is. You know, Lincoln Riley. People are saying, oh, he's chicken. He didn't want to play in the SEC. Well. That's kind of like a business decision, like a oh for like sure, a, a business decision a player makes when he goes out of bounds. Okay, uh, it's it's much better for Lincoln Riley to play Nick Saban for the national championship than for the West championship, and it's much better to play Kirby Sport, Smart for the national championship or a semifinal championship than in Atlanta at the SEC title game. Which, let's face it, that game's meaningless some years. Glenn, you mentioned okay. you, you mentioned the uh, the Woodward and, and how it, it he always goes for the big splash, right? But I'm curious, um, in, in what ways is Brian Kelly the opposite of Ed Orgeron? Because in many cases, when a when a staff when a when a program makes a change at any level, they go the opposite or they try to find situations and scenarios of the new coach that fix problems from the old. What immediately comes to mind by hiring Kelly over Orgeron? Well, Kelly's got a lot more experience as a head coach than than Coach Orgeron. Uh, you know, Coach Orgeron was only a head coach at Ole Miss, and it was terrible three-year period there, one of the worst head coaches in Ole Miss history. And then he was pretty good as USC's interim head coach. But that was it, coming to LSU. Now, LSU, he did a great job, but uh, – you know, I think one of the things that really hurt Coach O was his inability to continue to hire good assistant coaches. Well, I mean, you know, Brian Kelly has, has been a head coach since the early 1990s. You know, I mean, this guy is a is a pro. 
I mean, he, he's not going to have beginner's luck. Uh, I mean, he knows how to do it. He knows how to hire a staff. Um, you know, I, I just think experience and, you know, he, he just has more of a serious reputation. You know, Coach O was, um, you know, he was almost like a comic book character with his voice and and how funny he was and how, how candid he was. And Les Miles got a lot of mileage out of being cute, you know. Yeah. Kelly is just a Midwestern meat and potatoes, straight arrow coach who's who's probably more like Saban, much more like Saban than the two coaches LSU has had since Saban. I mean, that's that's probably the coach he's he's most like. In fact, I think he's Saban on steroids because Saban can you can have some fun with Saban at times. I, you know, I don't Brian Kelly doesn't strike me as a fun guy, you know, but you know those guys make great football coaches sometimes. Marcus Freeman is an interesting piece in all of this. He's getting rumored his name's out there to possibly take over for Brian Kelly at Notre Dame. Notre Dame AD Jack Swarbrick today says they're not even going to have an interim. Everybody's going to continue having their same jobs, and if there is an interim, he won't be considered for the job, which would rule out Marcus Freeman if he's the interim. There's also reports out there that he's already being offered at LSU to be a very highly paid defensive coordinator. Where do you think Marcus Freeman plays into all this with Brian Kelly? And I'll also throw in Tommy Reese, the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame, where there's some reports saying he's already been offered by Brian Kelly to join his staff. Well, if if, the, if Notre Dame's not going to – I mean, I, I'd be surprised if Notre Dame hired an assistant to, to be its head coach. They probably think – you know, and I, I agree with them, they have the cachet to go, to go get a heck of a coach, uh, you know uh, – Luke Fickle uh, seems like that that would be a natural uh, fit. So I think that that would come to LSU as defensive coordinator, which would be amazing because that's who Orgeron tried to hire last year. Interviewed him at LSU, took him to Roos Chris Steakhouse. This is all in my five things to know about Brian Kelly. I just put up on the <laughs> okay nice website. He he ordered a bone-in fillet. In case you're interested, nice. <laughs> That's a, that's a strong order. The strong order for a strong they, uh, defensive coordinator. Yeah, they they thought they had him, and Kelly was able to get him away from his Cincinnati defensive coordinator post. So, you know, I, I think Marcus Freeman will probably come to LSU. Uh, you know, if, if he has, a, unless he gets some other head coaching job, but you know, you you can um, he could probably get you know an excellent head coaching job a little bit down the road if he comes to LSU and they win big. How about Oklahoma? What what uh, what direction you feel they'll wind up going? Well, uh, you know Kingsbury's an interesting story. If he'd want to go back to college, uh, if, if Stoops would want to come out of retirement, I'm not, I'm not really sure on that. Um, but I mean, there's still there's still some good good head coaches out there. Uh, Luke Fickle in in particular, uh, uh, the uh, the Iowa. Iowa State coach um, who who was up briefly for the LSU job, that could, that could be a good hire as well. Matt Campbell. Uh, just going back to what Chad brought up about the interim at Notre Dame, uh, they are one weekend of craziness away from being in the college football playoff. They're going to need someone to run that program potentially for the biggest playoff in in <laughs> from the college perspective 
Uh, and uh, they're a Cincinnati loss away from getting in. They're an Oklahoma State loss away from guaranteeing to get in if Cincinnati loses. I mean, it's uh, it's quite the scenario for Notre Dame to stay, stay, stay pat and say everyone's going to continue to coach their position without an interim tag. Yeah, I don't. I don't know if that's the right strategy. I, I think the. Uh, I think should they should make one of the coordinators, the interim head coach, with title and and still coordinate uh, their side of the ball. I, I think that would be the best thing. And um, even if you don't think you're going to hire the guy on a permanent basis, you don't need to come out and say that. Yeah. You know. Uh, because players tend to play well for that interim coach uh, coming off a great season or, or a struggling season. There, there tends to be a, a, you know, renewed energy when uh, when you get that interim coach. I've seen it happen so often. So that, that ought to be that should have been the strategy they take. Glenn, other SEC coaching news today. Mark Stoops agrees to a contract extension at Kentucky. Cross him off the list for Oklahoma or any other job. Uh, it's funny because it's not really a joke, but I know you've said it, we've said it on this show, boy, Mark Stoops could just win six or seven games a year and uh, coach at, coach until retirement at Kentucky and be a hero and never pay for a meal in Lexington. And he actually has it in his contract that his contract extends for a year every time he wins seven games in this new contract, <laughs> which is funny, but at least it's Kentucky knowing what their expectation should be. It's not out of whack, right? He's got that program to a place where seven wins is a nice season and they could win nine like they did this year every so often. And that's not a bad thing. And Kentucky's admitting that with this contract. And what they've done, which is really interesting, they already had that clause in there, the seven wins, where it automatically extends. They have now added in a 10-win bonus. And funny enough, Kentucky's at nine. And he will get a two-year extension automatically on top. And it, this this goes into effect immediately. If he wins the bowl game, they'll get to 10 wins, and he'll tack on two more. He'll be extended through 2030. He also got 250 grand at nine wins. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe maybe he saw what happened to his brother at, at Oklahoma. You know, one of the reasons Mark Stoops kind of retired at a young age was, was, was the stress level, you know. Uh, you don't have the same type stress level at Kentucky uh, to just get the seven wins, you know, and, and people don't look at it quite like life and death as they do at Oklahoma football, LSU football, or Kentucky basketball. So, so maybe Stoops has a little secret there and, and he can, he can stay there for decades like they used to back in the day. It's not Glenn, a bad setup. Glenn Gilbo, our guest, uh, Glenn, what when is the official presser for for Kelly there in Baton Rouge? It's at uh, it's at noon tomorrow in Baton Rouge. He's landing like right now okay. at the Baton Rouge airport. He was supposed to land at two thirty, and they invited fans to go out there. I, I think they want a scene like when Saban landed in Tuscaloosa <laughs> in two thousand seven. It sounds like they're trying to mimic that, uh, and they, and they're already putting up the. Uh, you know, the ticket season ticket renewals and so forth for next season. Glenn, appreciate you, man. Great info as always. We'll continue to read your work at Outkick. All right. Thank you. Glenn Gilbo has been our guest. It's nice of him to stay with us rather than heading out to the airport. I know. Yeah. He's not, uh, he's not flight tracking. Pictures of the plane landing. He was going to be there snapping pictures. Yeah. Brian Kelly getting off the jet. Get some good gifs of that. 
College football playoff rankings uh, come out tonight. We'll give a, a sneak peek at that order, uh, given what has happened this past weekend. Uh, and also an interesting story uh, that will, uh, to me, there are all these stories about Brian Kelly behind the scenes. Um, one in particular that will pretty much show that Notre Dame's losing a really good coach. They can hire a better person. That's next on Outkick 360. Outkick 360 rolls on. College football playoff rankings will be announced this evening, and then the final rankings are announced a week from today on December the 5th. Looking forward to that. We'll have all the scenarios laid out by then, all the conference championship played. Uh, Georgia will be number one. We know that. Michigan. Does Michigan go to two with Alabama three and Cincinnati four? That's what I would have. What's the alternate version? I would love to see. Because Bama fell down a spot. I think the real scenario, Chad, is can Cincy jump Bama based on what happened at the Iron Bowl? Yes, and I hope they do. Uh, That's that's my my four right now. Georgia one, Michigan two, Cincy three, Bama four. So what do you do if Bama beats Georgia and Cincy's number three? If Bama beats Georgia... Both are in. Yes. I think Flip Georgia them. would Michigan, go... Michigan, in. I'm, here's the other thing. I don't if think there's a way... Iowa, they're in. Unless you're just you know cherry-picking games, which I'm sure the committee will do. Uh, I think in that scenario, you go Bama to two, Georgia to three. Okay. I wouldn't one. drop Georgia past three. It really, probably, you could... I mean, there's an argument to be made they could remain number one with the season they've had, even with the loss to, to Alabama. Depending on the game. But I would, I would have Alabama, Georgia, 2-3, whatever you want, in that order. Michigan would go to one with a win over Iowa in the Big Ten Championship Cincinnati game. Cincinnati 4. Cincinnati would probably stay at four or be right there at, at four. My, my four tonight, if, if it's a one-man committee, is Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Cincy 3, Bama 4. I think if Alabama knocks off Georgia, even if it's close, you've got to – put them ahead uh, Georgia being as great as it's been this year you go to the conference championship if you knock off the king your your old Look, loss well, your old loss is washed away you've you've taken overtaken if them. you are an SEC I don't hater, see it happening if you are an SEC hater here is your nightmare fuel right now Al- Georgia kicks a last second field goal to beat Alabama in an absolutely classic on Saturday late afternoon night in Atlanta, Georgia. They win by one point, and the committee comes back and says, man, who else is going to play Georgia th- that way? You keep, can't, at, keep Alabama in the playoff at four. You can't four. do it if they're at four already. Yeah, not if they're at four, but I'm saying if they're, let's say they're at three right now. Again, it's a little far-fetched, but we've seen crazier things from committees before where they come back and say, you know, look how close they play them. You can't play that game, though, because, again, this is where you're, you're going in and saying you're picking and choosing what you want your argument to be because my counter to that would be, well, then let's give LSU and Arkansas and Auburn and Tennessee credit for playing Alabama so close in these games where those games were close in the fourth quarter. If you're going to make the argument for Alabama deserves to be in because they played Georgia so close, well, then we also have to go back and you can't just wash it away and say, well, Alabama beat Arkansas. They found a way to hold on and beat LSU, who was bad this year. 
They found a way to beat Auburn when they were down 10 to nothing going in the fourth quarter. So it doesn't matter. You have to apply the that same logic and say, well, it doesn't matter because Georgia beat them ultimately also. How much does it hurt Bama when they get pounded by Georgia? Well, they're out. Well, they're the out, of course. Yeah. They're yeah, out. I mean, they're going to be out. Uh, already, yeah. I think they're out regardless with a loss. They're out with a loss. based. On, I mean, they were, already, they were already jumped by Ohio State to begin with, and they won, and they were jumped by Ohio State. Uh, I expect Michigan to jump them, yes. And, I, I mean, Cincinnati, again, like the, the committee dropped Bama for, for winning a close game against LSU. What happens when they now assess what happened at the Iron Bowl? Um, I'm intrigued by the ranking because, and I said this last week, I maintain this. We, I, not we, I don't, I don't know if you guys are on board with this or not. I need Alabama to save the playoff because right now, if Alabama loses, we have Georgia, Michigan, Cincinnati, and either a coachless Notre Dame or Oklahoma State in the college football playoff. That's it. That's not, those aren't games I want for a college football semifinal. Well, one of them might be all right, but what the, whoever Which plays one? Georgia's getting getting hammered, right? I mean, Georgia's going to win two games in the playoffs. Well, not if Alabama and, and Hudson, not if Alabama beats them this weekend. If they win, That's they're the both they're in, at. and you get so then getting, they could beat them again. You're getting good semifinal games. They're only a six and a half point uh, underdog in this game. Ninety two straight enough. games, Alabama's been favored since 2015. Ninety two straight games, they've been the Vegas favorite until That's this weekend, crazy. and they're a six and a half point underdog. I hear that, and I immediately jump all over Georgia. But am I going to be shocked if Alabama comes out, plays great, and it's a close game, and they cover the spread? I'm not going to be completely shocked. No, but they were really bad. I mean, they – Who was really bad? Alabama just didn't have it. I thought Auburn's defense was excellent. Yeah, they yeah. were. And watching that game. And I think – and here's, here's the problem with Alabama this year, and it's the reason that Nick Saban's so giddy after every win. He's smiling and laughing, and, and he's in a better place. Because he didn't have this expectation for this Alabama team. He knew they weren't as good as his great teams coming into the year. And the fact they're still here with one loss makes him proud of this group. His offensive line is not very good. I, yeah. And that's what Auburn exposed in that and game. And Georgia's defensive front is, is going to shred them. Here's my question about Bryce Young in that game, as good as Auburn's defense was. Like, I, I felt like you got to score this guy down. He's not doing anything for the whole game. Does the one drive yes. and the one throw win it for him then? Who else are you? Who yeah, else there's is no, it's because of the lack of competition as much as anything. I mean, if there was ever a year, I've said it for five to weeks. To go away from quarterback. To go to Jordan Davis at Georgia or Aiden Hutchinson at Michigan and give it to a defensive player, this is the year that you give that serious consideration. Nobody's mounting that, like the media-wise. And part of that happening. is also just I'm bored with these quarterbacks at these schools just rotating in the Heisman talk every year. Well... It's not happening because there are like 500 Heisman voters. Yeah, there's you know, too many. You know, you've, got, you've got Joe Schmo, radio host, uh, you know, in, you know, somewhere in Kansas. No offense to Kansas or He's Joe talking Schmo. talking to his buddies. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, you think they're watching these defensive players like that? No, of if, they're, if they're voting on them, it's because they've heard people talk about it. Right, and people aren't They've talking. heard buzz about it and thought, you know, I'm just going to do something different. Uh, quick little story, final minute of the hour. Brian Kelly, the person. Uh, Matt LaFleur and Robert Sala were graduate assistants at Central Michigan at this time. They were invited to a party at Brian Kelly's house, or at least they thought they were. When they got there, they weren't on the guest list. They were on the workers list. 
and they spent time parking cars and shoveling snow outside and then had to go fetch cars for Brian Kelly's guests as graduate assistants on his coaching staff. That's the type of guy Brian Kelly is as a leader. Think he invite, you think, uh, you know, uh, Ed Orgeron would invite those guys into his home? Absolutely. Um, how you treat people early on in your career comes back in stories later. That's a great story from Rob Demosky of ESPN.com from 2019. Robert Sala is quoted by saying, we decided that we're, when we're in this position, we're never going to treat people the way we got treated. Period. That's terrific. And those two guys have reputations as being really likable well, guys. There are worse stories on Brian Kelly, too, yeah. at, at Notre Dame, for sure. Uh, but LSU got a great coach. I mean, I'm not discounting that at all. They had a home run hire as a coach. You could be both, though. Absolutely. Coming up, uh, great person, John McClain is about to join us. His Baylor Bears are in contention for a championship at the Big 12. Chalak, we'll talk NFL next. Shovel my snow. Sick him.